Okay, so one thing that we've always talked about, what are you reading and where are you at? Does anyone remember what our memory verse was from last time? I even gave you guys two weeks. No. I just put that up there. I erased it. That, see, that's again, this is why I'm, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to erase that and put up the one. No. John 2.19. So let's go ahead and just go and look at that. Again, we want to go through and just memorize God's Word. Remember, we want to hide thy word in our heart so we may not sin against thee. So that's from Psalm 119. Um, so in 219, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So you, we're going to talk a little bit about that today because that's where we're going to be is in John. But that was the memory verse. So for next Sunday, here's next week's memory verse, John 3, 5 through 8. You guys are capable. Yeah, put memory verses. So there's one continuous thought, so it counts as. So you do have some memory verses there, um, 3, 5 through 8. And again, it's very important because this is what Christ is saying. Um, we'll get into that with our lesson next week. And so I'm going to start kind of preempting you guys to get into it. Also, it would do you some advantage to go through and read what we're doing. So this week we're going to cover John 2. And then next week we'll cover John 3. And John 3 may take a couple weeks um, because there's a lot there. Um, so, again, we'll continue with um, um, John there. So... I want you guys to think about something. Think about this. This is kind of a puzzle. I've said it before, and I'm hoping you guys will understand this one as well. What is the one thing that you can never get back once it's gone? Jackson. Time. time. Think about your time. Because once it's gone, you can't go back in time, despite what Star Wars and Star Trek or any other sci-fi show talks about, you cannot go back in time. However, as believers, we can live in the past and focus on all the bad things and, you know, and dwell on that. We have to be aware of this. Time is linear. We cannot go back. It's probably our most precious commodity because the Lord has set forth our time. We have so much time on this earth. Some people have longer time. Some people have shorter time. But God's using that for a reason. So I want you guys to think about this. Especially when we get into this first section here. And so let's go ahead and um, let's read in the scripture here. So we're going to be in John 2. And we're going to go through. I'm going to break it down a little bit. And we're going to focus on the first part. So we'll go through John 2, 1 through, it looks like 11 there. Uh, yeah, we'll go through John um, 2, 1 through 11 for this first section here. So in the third day... There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they had wanted, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what ha, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto this unto the servants, Whatever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. 
And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, and that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifest forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Gracious Heavenly Father and Lord, we come before you and just look at your scripture and look at the word and just looking at what you have laid out here, Lord, and what you have set forth for us to do as we go forward and serve. Lord, we lift this time up to you in your great and holy name. Amen. All right, so we've gone through here. So one of the first things that we want to look at is, and we can see it right here, the third day. You know, if we think about this, we've talked about numbers a little bit. Third day. Boy, that's a picture. What does that tell you? What happened on the third day? What happened on the third day? Why do we celebrate Easter? This isn't by coincidence. Now, Jesus hasn't died yet. But third day, you should be thinking about this. Third day. What happens on the third day? Jesus rose from the grave. So, does it mean that it's Wednesday? No. No, no. Forget about the time. Forget about the days of the week. Because one of the things that you're missing is here is the first day of the week, which was the beginning of the resurrection. That's on a Sunday. He was crucified on Friday. You also got to remember there's an inversion with this. The Jewish flipped the days and nights to how we do this. So you remember, Jesus was a Hebrew. He was Jewish. He was Israelite. Or he was born into the nation of Israel. I shouldn't call him an Israelite. He was born into the nation of Israel. So they flip it. Their day, we know how our day begins at midnight, and we have a partial out, you know, darkness, and then light, and then darkness into the evening. Theirs is opposite. Theirs goes from sun, sunset, until sunset. So their day does it a little bit different. And because of that shift, the third day happens. So Jesus was crucified on Friday, died on Friday. So that gives it Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday he rose. That's the third day. Does that make sense? That's another thing. And, and someone else asked this. is like, wait a minute. Our Monday, we think of Monday as the first day of the week. That is the business world thinking of the first day of the week. The Sunday. And we call it Sunday, if you think about it, S-U-N. Sun. Sun is the powerful light. Christ is the light. So you see the correlation there? So Sunday is actually the beginning of the week. Even though we call it a weekend, that's the world calling that. You have to remember, the world's defining something. This is how God's ordained it. And also, if you go through, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this on Wednesday. The Sabbath was Saturday, the day of rest. And so they, so, so after the day of rest is on Saturday, then Sunday is the first day of the week. But the business world, and this is again the world, that's the key word right there, sees Monday as the first day of the week. So the business world sees the first day of the week. And, you know, the other thing too, you talk to Pastor Brian, you talk to the other pastors, they also talk about, Sunday coming together because you set your heart on things above, not of this earth. That's why we come together on Sunday so we can set our focus for what God wants us to do for this week. 
And that's why we also that's why we come together on service on on Sunday mornings. So we're prepared for when we have to go face the world on Monday or Saturday, or Sunday afternoon. So third day. So we still sidetrack. Sorry about that. But sidetrack, third day. Boy, I should be thinking about that. There's, I don't believe in coincidences. I think there's a, there's something going on here. There's a pattern. Now, am I going to go over here and say, hey, you can get wealthy off of this? No, but I say there's a pattern and there's a reason for it there. So there's a third day. There's a marriage. That's the same picture that we had as, as believers in Christ. When we become believers in Christ, we become the bride of Christ, and he's called the bridegroom, which we'll see here in a second. So even though and that gets kind of people get kind of caught up in the whole homosexuality thing, don't. It's just the name that, that, that show you the relationship. You have the bridegroom, and then you have the bride. Just like you had Adam and Eve. So we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And so, you know, Christ is the head of it. We are underneath Christ. Christ is the one that takes care of it. So that's why we have that correlation. And the world gets caught up in that whole, you know, gender dysphoria and misnaming everything. That's why we have that. It's so we can, so we can understand our relationship and where we are in that relationship. So we see that we have the mother of Jesus. She was there as well. And they were invited to the, to the marriage along with his disciples. So it's like, hey guys, come on over. And the people at the party, this is the world. It's a picture of the world. The world wanted more. They wanted what they wanted. They wanted wine in this case. But Jesus had to do something here. And this is the one thing that we talk about, the relationship of Christ. Is Christ isn't a genie. He's not here to grant you your three wishes and you go about this. What he's doing is he's setting things in order. And Jesus does a great job here. And I, I want to say this. Jesus does a great job looking at this. Because there's two things here. Jesus is the Son of God. We have no questions about that. If you do have questions, come see me afterwards. But there's no question that Jesus is the Son of God. But he also has a mother. Her name is Mary. So there's two authority figures here. And so and so we see right here in verse 4, he addresses her. And he doesn't, and people take this negatively, he's addressing his mother properly. Because if he rebuked his mother, then he was disobedient. If he goes to her, and if he would have said, Mother... What do I have to do with this? You know, what do I have to do with thee? That's rebellion against his mother. And what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say in the Ten Commandments? So you're saying I can't call my mom mother or else I'm sinning? No, no, not at all. But there comes a point where something has to be addressed. Jesus, there's, there's an authority figure here. If he was going to correct his mother, he was in disobedience. So if you go to your mother and tell her, Mom, you're wrong, and that you're not supposed to be doing this, that's disobedience because you're not submitting to your mom's authority. So what he's doing is he's addressing her from, 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 a, from a God perspective because, remember, he's the Son of God. And he's addressing her 
politely. He's doing it. He's not, he's not admonishing her. He's not chastising her. He's like, remember, I'm the son of God. You know, my time has not yet come. So he's there to minister. That's his purpose now in his relationship. After he was baptized, he went forth. And that's how he ended up in Galilee, is he went through to come over here, because he's here now, he's the son of God, he's a minister. He, he, yes, he has Mary as his mother inside there, and he respects and cherishes that relationship. But he has to transcend that and become, in his position, the son of God. And he has to address her and say, listen, my time's not come, however, out of respect... He grants this and reaches out to his mother. Do you guys see that picture right there? He's, 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 he's not chastising his mother because otherwise that would be in rebellion. He wouldn't be in, he wouldn't be honoring his mother, but he is honoring his mother by addressing her as a believer and saying, Hey, lady, mother, instead of using the title mother, he's saying woman, Mary, substitute her name. What do I have to do with thee? My hour has not yet come. Time is of the essence. Because what is Jesus Christ going to do? He's going to die for all our sins. He's going to go through. He's going to go through torture. He's going to get beaten and everything else, and scourged. And he's going to die on the cross. He's going to get buried, and he's going to rise again on the third day. His time has not yet come. It's not time for him to manifest everything. So he's letting her know, hey. Please, yes, I'm here to serve and I'm here to do this, but please do not come after me and ask me to do these things. But he honors his mother. He honors her request, just like Christ. You know, we go to the Lord in prayer. If we make our requests known to him and there are within reasons, Christ will bless them. God will bless your prayer requests. And so we see right here, his mother in verse 5 saith unto the servants, whatever he saith unto you, do it. Just like we say, don't take my word for it. It's found in the scripture. You do it. Christ has told us to do this. So she's establishing the authority. We're talking about servants. Again, we have a bigger picture here. We have servants that are over there physically serving the wine. And she says, hey, whatever he says, do. That's what we need to have that attitude. Whatever Christ says, if it's in the Bible, we need to do it. If it's in the Bible. And if you find out everything that we do here at HBF, we're not perfect, but everything's grounded in the Bible. And that's where we're going to go through it. So they went through, they purified, um, you know, they had the three water pots. Um, you know, think about this. The Jews were very clean, cleanliness. And, you know, remember we were talking about earlier when Jim was going through the Masoretic text and how the Jewish, before they would even write the scripture down, they would bathe, they would get, they would sanctify themselves and go through and bathe regularly. They cleaned their food. It's called kosher. It has to meet certain requirements. And so they were very clean in their approach um, with it. So they, they had these water pots that are for cleaning. And he says, fill the water pots. And so they did. And they filled them up to the brown. 
You guys ever had a soda from a like fast food restaurant or Quick Trip, and you fill it up to the brim, you put the lid on, the moment you poke your straw through, it starts spewing out. You ever had that happen? It happened to me yesterday when I took my daughters out for lunch. When I went to go put the straw into the cup, because it was filled to the brim, it started spewing out. That's a picture of what we need to be for Christ. Again, it's um, right there, be filled with a brim. And he says, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. Again, another picture. I mean, Christ said this. And he goes, draw out now and bear unto it. So you, once you put that straw in there and allow it to come out, it starts flowing. That's what's happening. You're being drawn out. And again, the picture of the governor is a picture of the world to the rulers of the world. And the world did not know it. You know, if we look here at verse 9, the world did not know what this water was. And the world had to go and say, hey, what is this stuff? This is some great items here. Christ being the living water. And we're going to see a picture of that. You know, they waited to the end to give it to them. You know, here's a picture of this in the world. Is um, with alcohol specifically, the more you drink, you know, this is this happens. This is with drugs and it's with alcohol. And it's like other things too. The more you do it, you start out once and you're like, oh, I'm feeling good. You keep on drinking more or consuming more. I'll just use the word consuming. If you consume more, you kind of get it, it, you kind of get numb to it. And it takes more of that substance to get you to that point. And you're like, oh, that just, eh, eh. And it just doesn't taste well. It's kind of like eating the same thing for lunch every day for a year. After a while, you're just like, eh. Bologna and cheese sandwiches aren't going to cut it. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches aren't going to cut it. You want something a little bit different. You want some variety in there. Kind of the same thing with the world as it consumes. It starts out feeling good about everything, but the more it consumes, you know, the less sensitive it is to how good it is. And that's what's happening here as well. We have a picture of Christ providing that living water, that wine for these people. And you go, why did you wait to the end to bring it? Because you're not ready for it. You know, this is what's going on with it. So we have that picture there. And you can kind of continue here um, in the second part of this, um, starting in verse 12. It says, After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. What is significant about Passover? Come on. Think about Moses. Think about Exodus. Pastor Brian's taking us through that series. Let my people go. You know, as we go through there, think about that. Passover. That's right before Easter for us. So we have a relationship with the Jewish people because of this. We we have our faith and our foundation because of what happened with the Jewish people. So we have to think about Passover what was the Pharaoh not letting the Israelites do in Moses? He wouldn't let them go. He wanted to keep them as the, the workforce, the slave labor. And that's where we have the ten plagues. This ties in exactly what's going on. So we're in that season of Passover. 
And God wants them to remember what he did for the nation of Israel. He brought them out of captivity. He brought them out of the world. And so he wants you to remember this. So that's why the Jewish people celebrate Passover. It was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sittings. And we had made a scourge. So Jesus made a scourge, scourge of small cords. He drove them out of the temple, the sheep, the oxen, and poured out the changers of money and overthrew the tables. And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showeth thou that these things that doest these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple and building, and will rear it up in three days. But he spake of the temple of his body. And when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which is Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw that the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew that was in, he knew what was in what was in man. So we have some things going on here. I'm going to say something here. And some of you may disagree with me. That's okay. Um, I'm going to make this statement. And it may offend. And it's not my job to offend. But I want to make sure you understand. There is no such thing as Christian businesses. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's no such thing. In fact, we just seen it right here. God said not to make his house of merchandise. He said it right here in Scripture. So there's no such thing as a Christian business. I'm going to say the same thing about Christian music. There's no such thing as Christian music. We're not so proprietaries off of that. And when you have those labels, those labels are taken from God and is for worldly gain. Christian businesses. Now, I am going to correct myself and I'm going to go back through and say, but Ray, you know, I know some people that are business owners. They are Christians. They use their faith in how they run their business, but they're not a Christian business. Because God said there is not to be a house of merchandise. So you can be a business owner and still use your faith to make your business practices. So I, I so I, I cringe when I hear that word Christian music and I hear I cringe when I hear Christian business. There is no such thing. And we just saw it right here. In fact, what did Jesus Christ do? He overthrew. He took a whip and drove everyone out. He got rid of the oxen. He got rid of the sheep. He got rid of these items. He overturned tables. He flipped the tables on everyone. He physically flipped the table and said, hey, no selling here. And that's what we don't do. So some of you guys are going, well, Ray, you sell books in there. You know, you go to the Connection Center. Or you'll sell shirts. Or something for, like, the Bible conference. We're not making this for money. We're using that. One, so you can identify as a believer in Christ. So some of you guys bought shirts from the Bible conference. Some of you wear those proudly, and those go forward. Those are for you to identify as Christ, and the money went to go cover the Bible conference. The money didn't stay at the church. It went to cover the cost. So that's what that's for. It's not to go through and make money and start writing out return on investments and start writing P&L statements. 
we took that money that we were able to raise and we gave it back to other parts of the church. So we're not a Christian business. So when they're in there selling a shirt or a Bible or anything, we're not making money on that. We're just trying to get you the Word of God. We're trying to get you guys to identify as Christ. And that's the purpose of that. Christian music. I'll go through on this one. And I love music. I love all types of music. So you have different genres of music. And people will use Christian music. Here's the thing. K-Love, Air One, any other stations, they're a business. They're, they're not-for-profits, but they're still a business. They still operate as a business. They have operating expenses. And so they'll use that misnomer. Those guys that are performing that, uh, and I'll tell you what, I love Skillet. I love the music of Skillet. It's rock. It's hard-hitting. That's what I love. I love um, Jeremy Camp, you know, or Newsboys or whatever, whoever. It doesn't matter. You know what? They're in the end to make music and make a living at it. That's a business. And so to use it as Christian music is misleading because they're using God to make money. God will bless them if they just give it over to it. For instance, I'm going to use this as a great example. Um, some of you guys may know this guy, Matt Franklin. He used to be a member of this church. Talented musician. Guy can sing. He's got talent. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he has, there's a lot of talent. And what he does, he wrote a lot of songs. In fact, we sing some of them in our praise, in our worship time. He copyrighted not to make money, but just to protect his content. He gave us permission to use his songs. I hate to say this, but most of those songs that we sing up on Sunday, if you notice at the title slide and it has a little copyright here, we have to give so many dollars to that person to use their songs to sing those words. That's not right. Now, if you notice some of those that say public domain, we're allowed to use it. And there's no one collecting the money on it. It's for the glory of God. It's pure. So this is, again, that flipping that business mindset. There's no businesses. There's no such thing as Christian businesses. There's no such thing as Christian music. And I'm going to stand behind that. There's no such thing. Now, however, you can run your business based off of your faith and your relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. I do it. I'm a manager of my company, and that's how I manage my people. I don't come over there, and I don't rule with an iron fist. I encourage. I give them grace. I go through and I apply this to them and say, hey, what can we do better? How do we get better at this? Just like we do reading our Bible, how do we get better? How do we become stronger in our faith? By reading the Word of God, by praying, by being engaged. So I take the faith that I have and I use it in my day-to-day business. And again, I know others and your parents have businesses as well, and they do that as well. But you cannot call them a Christian business. They can do their they can do their business based on their faith, but it's not a Christian business. It's not God ordained. God has blessed them, and God will use it, but He has no businesses because then all of a sudden the love of money becomes more prevalent than the love of people and the love of God. And that's idolatry. So that's why I also go through and say there's no such thing as a Christian business. There's no such thing as Christian music. Now, I've thought about this, too, with Christian music. And some of you guys are musicians and have talent, too. 
when I played a song, I thought about writing a couple of faith songs, just giving it over to God. Someone wants to make money on it, let them. God will take care of it. God will deal with them. If I write a song and I want to share it with everyone, then share it and run with it. Make it. You know, give it to the Lord. So again, I go through, and we see Jesus going through this. As we kind of wind down here, you know, we talk about Jesus forecasting. You remember at the beginning in verse um, 4 here, is my, my hour is not yet come. We can see here in verse 19, which was what our memory verse for this week, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews didn't understand this. And we're going to see this again next week. You know what? It took 46 years to build the temple. We know God can destroy anything in a, in a, in a, in a second, in a blink of an eye. So he, he will tear it down, and he did. But they were thinking of a physical existence. They weren't thinking of a spiritual. That's where we're going with this, is there is a transition happening here. It's not a physical being. Yes, we're physical here, but it's our spiritual well-being. That's what we're after. That's why we're going to have this relationship right here. You know, we kind of get a, you know, kind of a, a wind down on this is, you know, he, he did many miracles which people saw. But Jesus also said, do not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. God knows what our, what our heart is. That's why he had to send his son right here. He knew what was inside man. We've seen it from the beginning when Adam and Eve, we saw Cain and Abel. And we can go through the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to the end. We will see the heart of men and why God had to come. And that's the beautiful part about John is we're going to see this and go through this. All right. Any questions? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed.